get myself a Lincoln Got me plotting, got me plotting, got me thinking, got me thinking How can I come up and get myself a Lincoln out of Continental? Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Hey, hey, it's Jason ODB, a.k.a. The Lincoln Addict, and we're back with a brand new episode. This one is Spring Cleaning 2020, and it's going to also include uh, several topics that you guys are accustomed to hearing in addition to window switches and windows in general for the 60-era Lincoln Continental. So on this episode, we're going to have John Brewer come on. He's really... I consider an expert in the field of Lincolns in general. He offers services and parts and things like that. Kind of works with some of the big names out there uh, to recondition things and produce new parts and whatnot. But on this episode, we'll talk about windows and window switches and what makes them go up and down. So get ready. I know you guys, some of you guys have been waiting for this episode and uh, here we go. Now this a podcast is brought to you by our friends at Devious Customs. You can go to deviouscustoms.com if you're looking for exhaust parts or even air suspension. He and his shop are continuing to produce more parts, mostly on the resto mod side of things. So visit deviouscustoms.com. He has a section dedicated to Lincolns. And you can also follow Jeff Devious Customs on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in devious customs also colorado custom wheels you can visit their brand new website it's simple go to coloradocustom.com whether you're looking for maybe a, a steering wheel for your resto mod lincoln or wheels which are the lincoln replica wheels michael and team can help you out go to coloradocustom.com simply scroll down on their website and you can uh, enter your name email address and a message and they will get back to you now the thing that I love about my Colorado Custom Wheels is although I had my original hubcaps high-speed polished, they do tend to fly off if you're running a non-bias ply tire. So if you want an awesome wheel that looks just like the original Lincoln wheel or something else that you think up, you can work back with them and they do also make one-offs, which of course are a little bit more expensive. But coloradocustom.com, thanks to Michael and team for what they do for the custom car community. So first up, let's take a look back at the last episode. We had Nathan Wilson on, and uh, what a pleasure it was to sit down with someone I call a friend. Driving Dreams Restorations is a YouTube channel that is also Nathan's business, and I think most people in the Lincoln community, at least on the Facebook side and Instagram world, they know of Nathan's name when he posts in the various Lincoln groups out there we tend to kind of go out there and see what he's saying and that type of stuff. But really, at the end of the day, I think what you guys heard is a guy that's really passionate for Lincolns. He obviously kind of has his way about going to do things. And if you look on his YouTube channel, Driving Dreams Restorations, you'll have that opportunity to see that he really goes the extra mile on these cars. Really, I don't know anyone that's going through and doing the detail that he's doing when he's you know taking apart seat parts and things like that just to get them cleaned up you know oftentimes he just wants his cars and the product that he produces to be the best they can be and he goes through a lot of detail it's not just re-greasing things oftentimes it's re-detailing things uh, such as the those pieces for the the seat and the transmission I think they're referred to as 
but uh, he'll go through a lot of detail just to make sure that those things are super clean, painted nice and black and whatnot. But go out there, again, if you haven't had a chance on YouTube, type in Driving Dreams Restorations. He actually just posted a car uh, for sale, and we'll hit on that here uh, shortly. But super good dude. Thanks again, Nathan, for coming on the podcast. Now, on this episode... I figured since we're nearing springtime, we're kind of spring cleaning 2020. Uh, just a name to throw out there, and um, you know, really in my in my mind, I'm always going back and forth, and God, you know, what's the next episode going to be? You know, who could we get on as a guest? You know, a lot of things run through my mind to try to produce a really good podcast that people want to listen to, and uh, you know, look forward to, if you will. I've had a few guys, uh, you know, reach out and say, "Hey, when's the next one coming out?" and really appreciate that. This is the second podcast that I produce. I also produce and co-host our lifestyle podcast, and that's centered around the custom truck scene, BMX bikes, a lot of other topics as well. So uh, this is my one of my main passions that I have in life are these Lincolns, and uh, it's cool. I've met a lot of people, whether it be on the Lincoln Forum, people like Nathan Wilson through social media, and of course, through YouTube, and then Tony Boss Bolin, so many others. So uh, thanks to everyone that continues to put time in, like Pat Tian as well. He was a previous guest, really good dude. He's doing a lot for Lincolns. Got to get him back on here soon, but uh, thanks guys. But on this episode, I'll also cover the usual updates, what I refer to as Lincoln Life, car parts, and cars for sale. So I'm going to start kind of including parts whether it be maybe kind of reinforcing some rare parts that are available or maybe some vendors you want might want to hit up or uh, think about. Of course, Lincoln's in the movies, Project Smugglers Blues. That's one that uh, is near and dear to my heart, and I have some some key updates that I'll be sharing. And then I'll be adding a, a, a segment towards the end, which is what I'll refer to as uh, Lincoln shout-outs. And this will be just kind of giving some shout-outs maybe to some vendors, some people, individuals, or groups, if you will, clubs, for their commitment to the Lincoln community. And uh, we've seen some cool clubs uh, pop up. We've seen some awesome groups on Facebook. There's, I'd say, about a handful, maybe four or five really good groups out there related to Lincoln stuff. So I'll, of course, be covering all of that. Now, the main topic on this one's going to be the 60-era Lincoln Continental Windows, as I hinted earlier. And I just thought it would be perfect to bring on John Brewer because... When I started doing more research and I was on the LincolnForum.net, I started to see his name pop up even more so. And, um, you know, he had a lot of good chime ins and things that he said, hey, well, on 65, you know, you got to think about this and, you know, try this before you go and spend the money and do that. So, really uh, a good guy. And I've also done business with him when uh, Smuggler's Blues, I took the motor out, I knew the motor bounce were shot. It was to the point that I couldn't even put a a different radiator fan on the car because the motor mounts were just that condensed, that compressed down from you know 50 years of sitting on that rubber. Then of course all the oils and things like that that get on that rubber. So I had um, noticed through eBay that he was selling NOS engine mounts. So I was able to get those through him, and uh, you know here and there we'll you know exchange an email and that type of thing. So. We'll bring him in a little bit later for that audio. Now, uh, first, we're going to go into the Lincoln Life updates. This is brought to you by our friends at Steel Rubber. If you need new weather stripping for your vehicle or your uh, car or your Lincoln or whatever you have, boats, motorhomes, things like that, you can visit steelrubber.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E rubber.com. 
and enter your vehicle information via the drop-down menus. Uh, this is important. You can actually also request a custom catalog for your vehicle. So uh, that's also available out there and then you'll receive in the mail kind of a smaller tailored uh, catalog for your vehicle, whether it's like a 64 Lincoln or whatever year you have. And then what I always suggest to people is make a spreadsheet, uh, figure out what you need, and then that way you can start to budget things. But uh, good people steal rubber. They're also available on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. Go give them a follow today. Let them know when you make your purchase that Lincoln Addict podcast sent you. So uh, kind of the Lincoln Life updates for those that have been listening for last year or so, just for general things that I find or um, things that I have kind of going on. And those couple things that I wanted to hit on was uh, first and foremost, uh, pretty soon I'm going to be offering a 1964 Lincoln Motor Company dealership banner slash poster reproduction. And what this was, I never thought I'd have an opportunity to own one of these, but essentially I had a, a friend that we had lost, Tim Neal, and he had one of these awesome posters at his uh, ranch, if you will, where uh, he, he ran the Lincoln Ranch. And I think it came down through John Cashman. And uh, I really loved this banner that he had. He actually had two. He had one for a 64, and then he had one for a 66. And the way John Cashman explained it was the dealerships in that time, they could purchase this banner that they would hang somewhere in the you know the shop and they you know they would potentially i guess refer to it right i mean back in those days and it's kind of become one of these things where i wasn't able to get that copy or you know to purchase that like i had wanted to so i was able to come across another one and it's the only two that i've ever seen for a 64 and i'm going to be uh, producing those pretty soon for reproduction so uh, be on the lookout. I did share it recently to kind of spark up some interest. And there's a lot of guys and some ladies that chimed in and said, hey, put me down for one. So I thought I was pretty close to having it ready. And turns out uh, the place that I was going to work back through, they can't help. So I'm um, kind of resetting the shot clock there, trying to figure out uh, who can help uh, scan slash reproduce these and print them and then figure out what size. Now, I'd love to do it in the same size uh, for those that had a big enough space to hang that banner slash poster, but I think the challenge is going to be the cost. So uh, you can imagine if I come back and say, oh yeah, they're available now. They're 500 bucks a piece. And people are going to be like, eh, you know, that's just way too much money. So hopefully I'll be able to offer a couple of different sizes. That way, if you have a, a space, maybe where you park your car or something to that effect that you want to hang this up, of course, you can look at it from a mechanical standpoint but I think more for the nostalgia and just the coolness and the rarity of it, if you will, I think that's really uh, the main reason that drew my attention to it. Love to have it hanging kind of in my space where I park my car and then uh, maybe you know park the car in front of it. It'll make for some great photo ops. But uh, more to come. You can stay glued to Lincoln Addict on Facebook. That's our group. And then, of course, we have the page and the Instagram. Now, Nearly all of my posts come from Instagram, and of course, Instagram is owned by Facebook and those batch over, so you get the same experience for the most part on Facebook as you do Instagram, but um, if if that's not enough for you, make sure you join our Facebook group. Uh, we're at, I think, about 3,500 people now, so if you're looking to share something or you got questions, a lot of people chime in pretty quick, 
and there's a lot of guys out there that know way more than I do. So it's really cool that we have this awesome community. There's other groups out there. There's a couple of Lincoln Continental in the title, and then, there, of course, there's Suicide Slabs. Then there's the Raddies, who are our good friends. That's kind of that small group of guys and some ladies as well. And, uh, you know, they really get a lot of people together out there on the West Coast. So big ups to the Raddies, Suicide Slabs. you got Suicide Kings out there as well. So kind of getting ahead of myself here with some of the shout-outs. But you get it. Go out there and check out Lincoln Addict Group on Facebook. Now, speaking of 64 Lincolns, because the 64 is so near and dear to my heart, I would tell you, too, if you've got a 64-specific and you are looking for bumper inserts on the rear bumper, look no further. You can reach out uh, to me, and uh, I'll get you squared away. Now, I have new reproduction sets available. Now, these are built aluminum, and they are totally flat pieces, and they also are held on by two-sided tape. Now, I know some of you guys are thinking two-sided tape. A friend of mine has a custom set for a 65 on his car. They've been on there well over 10 years, and those things will not pull off easy. Uh, they won't even budge for that matter. So if you have, again, a 64, and you want uh, to, to replace those inserts that are in your rear bumper, uh, hit me up. It's $150 right now for the set that includes both sides. And then if you want the sticker kit, that's a little bit more. I'm selling that if you buy the the inserts, you could buy the sticker kits for only 25 total. So you come out to about $175, which is oftentimes cheaper than you'll find the, the uh, kind of original bumper inserts. And then you can either choose to install those the sticker kits yourself, or you could even go to like a professional in your area that uh, deals with vinyl and things like that. Now, there may be an opportunity in the future. I know a few people have asked some of my friends here locally, and they said, well, you know, why don't why don't you kind of just engrave the lines in the aluminum? And that is an option, but it's more money. So if someone said, you know what, I want to go with a billet aluminum piece that looks like, it, you know, it's, it's molded and shaped from that exact original, and I want the lines like engraved in there, so to speak, or kind of machined in, I should say, well, we could do that, and then you could have your pinstriper kind of come back in there with black paint and then paint the grids in. So that's also an option. But again, this is going to be for someone that really has a 64, and for whatever reason, their bumper inserts are pretty roached out, so to speak. The ones on the bumper that I had were bad. I mean, horrible. I don't know what the heck happened if someone just didn't know what they were doing back in the day. They took a screwdriver, and they just tried to pry them off without realizing that they're bolted on through the back. So, you know, if you've got them, they're pretty bad, or let's say a shop lost them, then you're in luck. You can come to me, and I'll get you squared away. But uh, for those that want to go out there, you can just go to ourlifestylepodcast.com. That's the site that I own, and that's um, what you can do is you can simply drill down on the left through the dropdown and click on Lincoln Addict. And when you do, you'll see that uh, the individual stickers are 30 and then if you click over on the other side, uh, you have the option to purchase the inserts. And then, of course, you have the inserts plus sticker kit for 25 more. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, certainly appreciate uh, all the support. Now, I was going to do a pre-order on these, so more information coming. But I would say that I'm going to try to get maybe about five or ten sets in an order. And then that way, I can go ahead and submit those to uh, the gentleman that makes them for me. So uh, let me know if you're interested. You can also email me. 
lincolnaddictpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, shoot me an email. Let me know what you're thinking, and uh, we can go from there. Or, again, you can go out here and purchase them. Now, I do not have them in stock right now. I only have one set. And uh, if you do make the purchase, it is it is going to be a few weeks. But uh, what I'm hoping here is maybe uh, between now and the end of the month, do a pre-sale and then get all of those and then boom, ship them at once. Okay. And then here's one other Lincoln Life update. Again, some of this is kind of curated from different websites I frequent or that pop up in my Google app. So, of course, I'm always searching for Lincoln stuff. So my Google app seems to uh, predominantly send me articles about Lincolns, but this one is on autoevolution.com and it was dated February 29th, so recently of this year, and the title was Lincoln Increases Navigator Prices Again, Navigator L Black Label Costs 101630 and um, it goes on to say the redesign from the ground up in 2017 the Navigator is seriously luxurious for a truck-based utility vehicle. Built alongside the Expedition at the Louisville plant in Kentucky, the flagship Lincoln arrived at U.S. dealers with a price increase of more than 8500 for 2018 model year. Of course, it has additional more uh, information there in the article. Go out there and check it out. But it says, the last uh, paragraph, as a side note, Lincoln is selling increasingly more Navigators since the introduction of the latest gen, 2017 ended with about 10,500 sales in the U.S. Then it soared to 17,000 units in 2018. And then last year, the truck-based sold 18,865 examples of the breed. So, you know, I'm happy to see it. There's one that I've shared that I know a lot of guys, you know, it depends your style. But our friend Dave Shulman has a really awesome Navigator that he built or had built, if you will, for the SEMA show last year. And as you know, some of the, the car people out there, you guys know that SEMA vehicles aren't always what they're cracked up to be, right? You know, a lot of them are kind of over the years, they've had this persona that they're kind of thrown together, right? Well, the cool thing about Dave's is, although he had some hiccups with like the wheel offset and things like that, we had him on on the uh, Our Lifestyle, the podcast prior to talk about it right before, or I think it was right before SEMA. The cool thing is, is that, you know, his truck is built to drive and he uh, puts miles on it. Uh, he's really enjoyed it. And of course, now he's kind of getting a few more things done on it before it comes back to Florida. But we've shared that a couple times and it's a brand new Navigator with a full chassis, AccuAir, uh, Vire compressors, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when we saw it at Lone Star Throwdown, which is that truck show that I went to recently, by the way, there were three Lincolns there, so cars are invited as well. But when we saw it there, I mean, it just looked great. I mean, the interiors are so awesome on these on these uh, SUVs. And, uh, I mean, I love them. Now, personally, I'm not going to spend that much money on a vehicle. And what I've kind of learned is if you really like something that's brand new, you could seemingly wait X amount of years, and then the price goes down. And that's kind of what I've seen with the Continentals. I've seen some that are uh, salvage titles where – on eBay or Facebook Marketplace, you know they'll they'll have maybe a front end uh, damage that are totally repaired back to factory specs and they look fantastic, and you can get them for way cheaper than even the uh, Kelly Blue Book price right now. But even if you didn't want to go that far, you can still get a great deal on a Continental that uh, was traded in or something to that effect, and uh, it's pretty cool because I tell you when I look at the interiors on the Navigators 
and the newer Continentals, I go, man, at one point, at some point, I want to own one, uh, whether it be the SUV or over on the Continental, the sedan side. Probably the Continental is probably what I would go with first. But again, check them out on eBay and Facebook Marketplace. Uh, you'd be amazed at kind of what some of the prices are out there at this time. But those are the few uh, Lincoln Life updates that I have. And of course, that again was brought to you by Steel Rubber. S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com. Give them a follow on social media as well. They are great people. And I'm going to be doing some videos here later in the year once I get my car uh, back running and driving on its own power. I'll start to do some videos and show you guys how easy it is to switch out some of those pieces with steel rubber products. Okay, next we got the Lincoln Continental Broker updates. So uh, one of my kind of AKAs is the Lincoln Broker. And um, I've had really good success moving some cars to some good homes, uh, especially in 2019. Now, if you're looking to kind of market your car or you want help selling it, I'm happy to do that. You can reach out to me. Got a couple of methods here. You can either email me at lincolncontinentalbroker at gmail.com or lincolncontinentalsales at gmail.com. And uh, really just kind of, you know, gets, gets to the same place at the end of the day. And what we've been able to do is make some good marketing videos and put together a nice little package to help reinforce the people, hey, this is a nice car that you're looking at and things like that. In addition to that, uh, for you got a couple different options. If you want me to be the guy that talks to the people and weeds people out and uh, gets you know a good buyer, uh, let me know. I can do that as well. Or if you're looking for me just to post the car, uh, I will post it, uh, cross-post it on both Lincoln Addict, which is Instagram, which goes over to Facebook. And then I also have uh, Lincoln Continental Sales on Instagram as well. Now, I need to uh, create the Facebook page for that so that it batches over also to Facebook. But uh, that, you know, between those two Instagram accounts, I mean, I can easily get 70 to 100,000 uh, impressions in a week. And that means total views across all platforms. So uh, pretty cool. I got a very low price to kind of post it. And if you want me to kind of handle additional uh, information, you can, again, reach out to me, gave out the email addresses, or you can direct message me. Uh, it's probably easier to send an email because with the DMs, I get a lot of them and I try to keep up with them and I'm not the best and you know I just try to juggle everything in life. So uh, you guys know how that goes. But again, Lincoln Continental Broker, you can hit me up. And so, so far, really not a lot of updates. We have a 67 convertible that I'm going to be moving here very soon uh, for a guy. We've kind of been going back and forth on, on moving this car. It's only going about 100 miles, but the car has sat a long time. The uh, Some friends of ours, they did the brake work on this car, so uh, there has been recent work over the past couple of years. Uh, the car is complete. Uh, in some of the photos I have, the rear bumper is off. It has been since reinstalled. And um, it does come with a spare deck lid, which is important because the deck lid that's on it is probably a good deck lid to sell or for someone to use. But it, having the spare deck lid for the convertible is key because these things are uh, super expensive nowadays. So if you're looking to get into a car where you know that you're going to have to paint it, do full interior, maybe do a resto mod, hell, you can leave the 462, then this is the car for you. Now, the seller is motivated, don't really have an exact price on what the asking price is, uh, you know, because I think there's some negotiating that, that, that's going to go down there. But 
I think for uh, the ten, twelve thousand dollar range, the car uh, he will let it go. And by all means, these cars are continuing to go up in value. So if you're looking to get in kind of at a lower cost, the car technically does run and drive. It's going to need some work to get it, you know, fully kind of as a daily driver. But you could easily get in at a lower price and then build up from there with, you know, whether you want to paint it black, do full interior, change the motor, keep it factory, whatever you want to do. There's a good shell of a car there. I think the carpet has even been removed, which is a good thing because no moisture is getting in there and whatnot, so uh, at least under the carpet. But uh, let me know. That's a 67 convertible that's uh, really in a primer state at this point. And then we've got the 66 Amy's car. Now, Amy's car is a beautiful car. Uh, had someone recently look at it, and uh, his sentiment, I think, is key. He said, man, if this car was black, it would have already sold, and I totally agree. It is uh, a really cool kind of greenish color, and uh, the interior is flawless. Really, it is a super, super nice car. I mean, it can use a couple small things overall, but nothing major. I mean, this is one that you literally uh, put the positive on the battery, start it up, roll the windows down, and or put the windows down, and open the vent windows, and then boom, put the top down and cruise. I mean, it's that nice. So... If you're interested at all, again, uh, a couple email addresses there. You can hit me up, lincolncontinentalbroker at gmail.com or lincolncontinentalsales at gmail.com. So uh, let me know. And again, if you want to market your car or you need help, uh, hit me up. I do offer some consulting services or I can work back with you to uh, post it and then also talk to folks and kind of weed them out. Uh, or we can just post the car for you uh, several times over a, a series of weeks and get you the impressions that you need to draw or to drive some buyers in, potential buyers, over to your phone number and or email address. So let me know. Okay, next we got Lincolns in the movies. And on the last episode, I talked about the James Bond famous car crushing scene. Now, after that episode, I actually edited together some video and posted that on Lincoln Addict. Really, the easiest way to go back is uh, on Instagram. Uh, go back to Lincoln Addict or type in Lincoln Addict on Instagram if you're not already following us. And uh, you can scroll back a little ways there. Now, it's hit or miss on this stuff because it is technically copyrighted material. But I posted it on February 1st. And uh, one cool thing that I found by watching the making of Goldfinger, some of the segments is the scenes were actually filmed the week of January 20th through the 24th in Miami in 1964, so 56 years ago. Uh, pretty cool. And uh, again, I actually posted not only the, um, I think I did a couple videos. One, I did the scene itself, which I had done before, but this is a little bit better quality. And then I also, also, um, I also, took some of the video and uh, from the making of it. And I was able to kind of show when they talk about when they were in Miami for that week and they were filming or whatnot. So I thought it was pretty cool to nail down exactly when it was filmed. And uh, you can go out on Lincoln Addict Instagram page and check it out. Now on this episode, I wanted to talk about the 1975 classic One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Now, in my younger days, my dad would always talk about this movie and uh, kind of how groundbreaking it was and, and just what a classic it was. And I was watching a documentary recently, not on this movie, 
but on Jaws that was on YouTube. And it was talking about in Jaws how they had uh, Jaws had lost two, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and that's what kind of brought it up in my mind here. Now, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It won. It beat out Jaws for the Oscar for best picture, and it won a ton of awards. You can actually go out on IMDb and, and see all of those awards. But, anyways, there's a scene in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where there is a 61 Lincoln Continental. And it can be seen behind a fence there. So if you haven't seen the movie in a while or you've never watched it, it's definitely a classic, crazy movie. But uh, it uh, Jack Nicholson is the man in that. He's he's just kind of a crazy guy. And I would say go out there and check it out. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yep, that is the title. And it won the Oscar in 1976 for the movie, which came out in 1975. So next up, my favorite subject Project Smuggler's Blues. This is my 1964 Lincoln Continental convertible in triple blue. The blue exterior, blue interior, and the blue top. So I've been providing updates on it because, one, it's really been something that uh, it has taken, up until recently, a lot of my time over the past couple years. And I'll give a quick backstory for those that might be new listeners. Uh, keep in mind, you can go back to the beginning and listen to all of these episodes you can go on lincolnaddict.podbean.com, uh, which is where you'll kind of land if you do a Google search, or you can download Podbean for Android or iPhone. That'll let you go back to the beginning. But if you're on iPhone, like many of you are, uh, Apple Podcasts lets you go back about, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes. So you should still be able to go back to the beginning as well if you want to go back and listen. But basically, quick Reader's Digest timeline is... Uh, Tony Boss Bolin found this car in November of 2017, and he said, Hey, Jay, I know that you want to buy a convertible. I know your favorite color is blue. This is the car. If you don't buy it, I'm going to buy it, and um, made contact with the gentleman. Before you knew it, it was the first weekend in December. I drove up with my buddy John, and the guy lived in Indiana. But technically, the car was about 45, 50 minutes north, right over the line in Michigan, up at his lake house. So, uh, was able to bring the car back December 2017. Tony and I worked on it pretty steady for about three, three and a half, four months and got it running and driving. Uh, really went through a lot of stuff, brakes, a fuel system, you name it. I mean, went through everything we could mechanically without getting too crazy. So around springtime, which is actually two years ago now, around springtime of 2018, the car, you know, finally got it running and driving and started kind of cruising it around a little bit and kind of having a little bit of an overheating problem, knew I had to get in and do other stuff. And it was like, okay, more than likely that the timing setup had never been changed and, you know, the amp gauge needed to be rebuilt. And it was kind of like, hey, yeah, the car runs, drives, stops, can drive it, cruise it around. But Knew that there was a whole nother list of stuff that I really needed to do. And um, with the overheating problem, that kind of led me to, well, let me just, I was going to try a different fan with a clutch. And uh, for whatever reason, it didn't have the right fan on it. And I now I know why. But essentially, you know, it's an air-conditioned car, so it really should have had, my understanding, the clutch fan on it. And it didn't. So anyways, long story short, went to try to change out to the different fan, the right proper fan and it wouldn't even fit on the car because the motor mounts were squashed and compressed so much and that kind of led to you know what 
I had this big master plan to pull the motor, do this, do that. And I said, you know what? This is the, the this is the defining moment. Let's do it. So fast forward from November of 20, 2018. So, you know, I kind of cruised the car a little bit. I have it where I can start it, move it at my house, do this and that. And as we started getting towards the winter, uh, ripped into the car, took out the motor, refurbished the entire engine bay, cleaned up stuff, ran tech flex, um, wire loom, real nice kind of OBM style wire loom uh, in all of the different wires in the engine bay and really just started cleaning it up. I uh, had my friend Daniel Smith at Smithworks. He went and painted the engine bay. Uh, Tony Boss Boland's father rebuilt the motor. And uh, while the motor was out, I was like, you know what? Don't cheap out. Take this transmission and drop it off and get it rebuilt. And it's like, boom, never have to take the stuff out again, you know, for the most part. Could go a whole nother lifetime without having to do that stuff. So uh, the the place that we use locally, they had rebuilt my C6 for my 67. And uh, they've done a lot of work for Tony and his family. So dropped it off. And uh, that only took a couple, I mean, I was like, look, no rush. And within seemingly weeks, maybe two months, they said, hey, you know, we've been doing it on the side. It's all done. Come pick it up. Well, of course, the transmission sat from, you know, I don't know if it was May, something like that, all the way until we started getting the car back together, which was like October, November, you know, really starting to put the motor back in and this type of stuff. So now we're at 2019, you know, heading into almost a year that the motor's been out with the trans. Uh, Time flies, especially on these Lincolns, man. Before you know it, you blink and a year's gone by. So that brings us to we install the transmission. Well, we had to take the transmission out. I think I talked about these woes uh, because we missed the plug in the back of the motor. And when we put in that nice expensive brake and oil, the, uh, we started priming the oil pump with a drill. The oil comes out, right? So we're like, oh, damn, what do we miss? What do we mess up? Took the transmission out that time and um, f- you know, fixed that other issue. So get that fixed. Transmission's back in. Uh, Blair comes out with Teresa, and uh, they kind of go through their checklist of let's get this thing started for the first time. Let's prime the pump. Let's do all these little things that we do, and uh, got the car running and driving. Uh, Still a couple little hiccups. Blair worked on it a little bit, and I kind of dialed in that last final list that I needed. was like biggity-boom, on the right path. Get the car home. Second time I drive it get the car, um, you know, go for like a quick five-minute drive, get home, drive it up in the driveway, car won't move. Got two wheels on the driveway, two in the road, and I'm going, what is going on? So transmission shop goes, hey, that's kind of weird. Put the car in a higher gear, see if you can kind of get it going. And if you do, kind of manually, you know, shift down to to drive and uh, just, you know, see how it goes. And we do that, to my amazement, I'm like, cool. Seemed to have worked. Went for another five-minute cruise, came home, parked the car, put it in gear, car moved forward. Like, wow, okay. You know, I had these fears of, man, we got to take this thing out again. So back at the end of December, so for those scoring at home, about a year after we took the motor out, now it's all back together and the car's running and driving and, you know, really starting to go, okay, moving into this new year, we're going to start enjoying this car. And what happens is 
I'm driving to Clearwater, going to Blair Farmer's shop. We were going to do some diagnosis on the top because there's still a few more hiccups there. And uh, I got 15 minutes from my house and I broke down. So I think you guys kind of heard me talk about that recently. Well, that's the end of December. So the trans shop goes, give us, you know, give us a week, give us a week, give us a week. Well, before you know it, I'm at the end of December. I actually talk with him in the beginning of January and four weeks go by. He finally goes, okay, I've got some room. Bring the car. Drop the car off at the beginning of February and, hey, give me a week. Call in a week. Hey, I've just been super busy. Give me another week. Finally get to the point where I'm like, look, I'm not going to call anymore. I'll wait for this guy to call me. And he called me last week. And here's the update. So he calls me and he says, look, you need another pump for the trance and you need another torque converter. So last Tuesday, I started sourcing parts. So I essentially on the, so that would have been on the 3rd of March, 2020. So I start sourcing parts and I'm calling around going, man, you know, what's this going to set me back? Whatever. So ultimately come to the conclusion that I'm going to go to Lincoln land. I talked to them there, George, and he says, Hey, we got the parts. Here's the cost. I, I said, okay, cool. So I go out there on the fourth, which was Wednesday, get the parts, take it to the transmission shop. Before I go to the trans shop, I stop at Blair's and I go, Hey, I got the torque converter and I got the pump. So he goes, well, where's it at? Let me take a, take a look. So he looks and he goes, well, look, this is the thing. And he kind of explains to me how it actually works, right? And he goes, you know, boom, he sets the pump in uh, to the torque converter shaft and, and he starts explaining it. And I'm like, okay, makes sense. Well, the good news is when I go to the transmission shop, the guy goes, you see your torque converter sitting right there? And you see the two shafts that kind of protrude from it? I mean, they're like bent in. So he goes, let me tell you what happened. And he said, I could have taken the back end of your trans, you know, just dropped it. But he said, I wanted to take it out as a full unit. And he said, I wanted to see what happened. And essentially, it was user error. And what I mean by that is, although we had the torque converter, if you've ever installed one, you kind of know every, all the videos I've ever watched, you always, you know, you put it on, you got to spin it X amount of times, like back and forth. And it kind of goes one, two, three, has like these three, call them like thuds, right? It goes like, uh, you know, you feel it one, and then eventually a second, and then eventually a third, and you you know it's seated properly. Well, the shafts that come off of the torque converter, they have to, um, it's not precision, but they have to seat properly in where the pump is at. So, it basically, we had it where it was, ma- I hate to use the word mashed, it was mashed up pretty good from the torque converter perspective against the pump. But if you were to look in, and hopefully I'll get the old parts so I could take some photos of them and, and show you guys, a- any normal person that works on this stuff enough or like a trans shop, I mean, th- they're immediately going to go, yeah, that's the way you got to do it. But when you don't have a lift and you know, you're know you doing this stuff with a trans jack and y- you're trying to kind of get it all set, essentially what ended up happening was we had the pump and the torque converter and all that stuff mashed together. And it's like, okay, and we, t- we tighten down each of the torque converter bolts. Good to go. Well, it wasn't properly seated, so what was happening, you know, from, from what I could tell when I would drive it is, eventually, like, it was mashed enough that the pump was spinning, and it was spinning fluid. Well, I drove it that day when I got it home from Blair's for, like, five miles, you know, or less, and it probably was enough pressure against it. It was mashed together where it was still spinning. Well, then when I got home, for whatever reason, 
no fluid was spinning through the trans because it wasn't seated properly. So anyways, kind of a long explanation to say the guy basically said, look, if you if it wasn't installed this way, you would be driving your car right now. Don't worry about it. You got the other parts. We'll go through the trans again. We'll get everything situated. And uh, we'll call you after we drive it a little bit. And then we'll tell you, hey, come pick it up. You'll be good to go. So I felt a lot better. Although, like I've said before in some of my posts, would love for this stuff to go quicker. And I know some people that buy Lincolns and they want the stuff to go quick. But for whatever reason on Lincolns, it just doesn't go quick. You know, it's it's not the normal trans. You know, in the 66, 67, they have the C6. And these years, they don't. It's a different kind of trans. Not everyone can work on them. If you need a part, you can't just go and buy it. So there's a lot of factors that kind of come in. But basically, if you can imagine, I bought this car, as I mentioned, in December 2017. That's two years and three or four months, right? Let's say two years and three months. I've only driven this car maybe 15 times. And many of those times were like five minutes up the road, 10 minutes up the road, that type of thing. Now, the car did shift perfectly when I first got it. But when he rebuilt the trans, he said, hey, it's a good thing you did because all the seals were hard. And he said it just was the right thing. So in hindsight, what I've learned is I've installed a couple transmissions before. And each time I do it, I've learned something. But it's because of a, a I don't want to say a major F up, but it's because of a mistake. And um, what I tell you is for as much as a transmission shop is going to probably charge you to install it, they do this stuff all day. It would probably would have been more advantageous for me to go, okay, let's trailer the car over to a transmission shop and just have them install it. You know what I mean? Um, it would have saved time. It would have saved money. And uh, most importantly, it would have it would have saved some cruising time. So live and learn. Um, that's the update. I know some of the people in the Lincoln forum were asking. I'll also kind of over the next week, I'll, I'll post some of this in there as well, um, you know, for, for those that maybe don't have an opportunity to listen to the podcast. But uh, that's the update for Project Smugglers Blues. Now, I asked the gentleman, I said, hey, you think of like two weeks? And he goes, well, we kind of really want to get this car out of here. It's up on the lift. And uh, hopefully this week, I'll get the call to say, hey, come pick it up. Now, I am going to be out of town for this weekend. We're going to be over in Orange Beach, Alabama for a show called Orange Beach Invasion. It's a car and truck show. So if he calls later in the week, well, I'll have something to look forward to when I come home uh, early next week. I'll pick up the car. But those are kind of the updates. Once uh, once I get the car back and you know I get a chance to drive it a couple times and it's like, okay, boom, it's running and driving. I can easily move it around. That's when I'm going to start kind of finishing the interior. Still have the dash apart. So I took off the whole... Uh, bezel, the main dash bezel. I took all that off to to start upgrading to the LED lights. Most of those are done. Uh, what I told Tony is though, I want to double check everything because I don't want to put stuff back together and then realize, oh man, I um, you know, forgot to change this one bulb or I missed this. So I'm okay driving around a little while with that off just to make sure that everything functions, everything's good, so I don't have to go back in there and change something or whatnot. So we really want to get the interior back together, uh, start plotting those next few updates that I need to do. But uh, those are the updates that I have. Got to give a huge thanks again to Blair and Teresa, my friends out there in the Clearwater area. Also to Lincoln Land. They have a ton of parts. And if you are looking for something that you really need, you can contact George. Let him know that Jason Ballard from Lincoln Addict uh, sent you. And uh, he'll do his best to take care of you. 
The stuff is not cheap. I'll be totally honest. These Lincoln cars, as, as many of us know, they're very enjoyable, but when you need the replacement parts, uh, it's typically not easy to find, and when you do, it's not cheap. But they always take care of their customers, and we certainly appreciate them. You live and learn, folks, and, uh, of course, I've learned the hard way, at least with this. Okay, next, uh, just a quick uh, shout-out here. Make sure you check out Lincoln Addict on YouTube. Now, once I get the car back and it's moving on its own power and I can easily kind of bring it out of my shop and park it in my carport and work on stuff, I'll do more videos. Uh, I'm getting better at editing. I'm using new software. So I kind of feel like this year, 2020, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'll start documenting and I'll start sharing. But uh, most importantly, go out on YouTube, type in Lincoln Addict. You'll see our page, subscribe. And uh, once we get over 1,000 subscribers, eventually I'll be able to go live and do some things, whether I'm at a car show and I want to show you guys a, a vehicle that's there. Maybe if I ever get over to Barrett-Jackson, uh, I could go live there as well. But really kind of be looking to uh, increase the amount of content that we're providing, not just on the podcast side, but um, most importantly, a lot of people love the visual side of it from a YouTube standpoint, so uh, more to come there. Now, I do want to also give some shout-outs. So this one's for the Suicide Slabs Facebook group. And uh, love it or hate it, I've said this before on my other podcast, social media is uh, it's a great thing in many ways, and in some ways it's uh, kind of a frustrating thing. But uh, I try to look at the positive, like my dad used to say, in everything. And if you go on, uh, it's a closed group. Uh, we can get you added if you were a Lincoln owner. Lincoln Continental uh, 60s era is is what they focus on. They've got 3,483 members or, or group members, if you will, as of uh, today when I'm recording this. And it, it's a great group. Uh, one thing I love about what Facebook has updated is you can search the groups now. So I'm pretty sure you could do it on the mobile experience on your phone, but I'm on the computer right now. And if I go in there and I type in, for instance, like Lincoln Addict, right? And I hit enter in that search box, it's going to pull up uh, every single thing in there where I've maybe ever uh, mentioned Lincoln Addict or someone, you know, um, you know, so, you know, someone's, you know, kind of called out or said this or that. But like, for instance, this uh, Joey Novak, uh, he says, I bought a 64 Lincoln Continental from Lincoln Land of Lincoln, Chicago, Illinois. The car has 65,000 original miles and was abandoned in a warehouse around 94. The car sat for 25 years, runs like a champ, needs a little TLC. Now, what's funny is I've seen this Lincoln Land of Lincoln, or Land of Lincoln, excuse me. I've seen Land of Lincoln, Chicago, Illinois before, and I kind of got that confused. But remember, Lincoln Land in Clearwater is the Lincoln place in the world, right? But uh, this land of Lincoln, I've never been there. I've never heard of it other than Joey's post. Now, he posted this on December uh, 29th. But the reason why I'm saying all that is there's a search bar, right? And uh, just like on the LincolnForum.net, you can go out there and you can search. And if you're looking for something in particular, highly suggest that you go out there and search before you just you know post something. Uh, so, again, shout out to Suicide Slabs. There's a ton of content out there. I know Pat Tien, previous guest, uh, he's doing some w wonderful things with the Lincoln community, and you can go out there and search his name. Uh, you can, g you know, get out there and, um, you know, check out all the different content out there. Because again, more than likely, if you've got a question, more than likely it's already been asked at some point, and it's pretty easy. If you spend five minutes searching, you find something that you don't have to ask the question. Worst that could happen is if you can't find it, 
then you can still post it out. But uh, shout out to the Suicide Slabs Facebook group. Uh, lots of great help out there. Now, I do this on the other podcasts that I produce, and I want to uh, start doing it here. And uh, this is for anyone that leaves in, in iTunes, which is really, with iTunes being gone, I think many of us are going to continue to say iTunes. But if you leave an Apple podcast rating, I'll go back. Uh, after you leave the rating, you can actually leave a review. And when you leave the review, you can type in anything you'd like, and then I'll go back and I'll cover those on the podcast. If you want to put your Instagram name in there, I'll feel free to do that, and then I'll give you guys a shout-out. So uh, thank you very much. Now, uh, I know some people go, well, hey, I don't have an iPhone. Unfortunately, the Apple Podcast app isn't available on Android, but uh, the majority of the world uses kind of iTunes slash Apple as the epicenter of, of podcasting. And um, with that being said, if you have iTunes, which I'm still on the old operating system on my computer, so I still have iTunes, uh, or you can go on Apple Podcasts on the newer operating system, what you can do is you can go on there and you can leave a rating, or it's just as easy on your phone. So let's say you're on your iPhone or iPad, you can go in uh, to your podcast app, you can find Lincoln Addict, and of course you're going to be subscribed hopefully, and when you do that, you're able to scroll down a little bit. So like you see Lincoln Addict, scroll down, scroll down, and you're going to see the ratings and reviews. So let's say you leave a five-star rating, hopefully. Um, once that's been done, you can click write a review. You type it in and uh, whatever you want to say, whatever you like about it, whatnot. And uh, again, hopefully it's a five-star rating. It takes a lot of time and I don't make money on this. And then you leave you know, that, that uh, review itself, and then I'll read those. So the first one is from Rubadub68. This is our homie, our friend. He says, ODB does an amazing job with this podcast. Very informative and great guests on every episode. Can't wait to see what happens in 2020. Keep up the good work. ODB on the rise. So that's our little catchphrase that our friend Tony Boss Bolin coined. Uh, Jackson AMD. Now this is... Uh, so my apologies, this is going back a year, so a year ago, February uh, 2019. Great job on the podcast. We need more episodes. Can't wait to hear upcoming interviews from the names you have dropped. Sounds like we are in for a treat. Keep up the good work. And uh, believe it or not, seeing these kind of comments really kind of uh, help get me motivated, inspired, because I really do have a big list of names that I want to get through. But um, at the same time, I'm trying to kind of juggle everything else in life. So, um, you know, I'm going to really try to stick forward to every two weeks. And, and that's what I've been saying. And I just got to do it now. And then I think we've read this one before in July of 2018. I can't believe, wow, almost two years ago. Uh, this is Mark Clemens. He's a big supporter of the other podcast uh, that we do. But uh, just in general, he's a good car guy, man. Loves trucks and all of that. So he says, great podcast, brother. Uh, thanks for everything you do for the scene. So certainly appreciate that, Mark. Uh, big ups to you, man. So um, those are the some of the shout-outs that I wanted to give uh, from Suicide Slabs over to some of the listeners, so I appreciate that. And then, depending on how the audio goes with uh, John Brewer, I'll also maybe pipe in a few other things. But uh, what I would tell you is, uh, as kind of an advertisement, if you're looking for services on your Lincoln Continental, whether you want your window switches rebuilt or you need an amp gauge rebuild, or hell, hell, maybe you want to ship the car down here and have the top gone through. Uh, maybe John Cashman's not in your path or your line of sight, or maybe it's going to be a while before he gets back to your area. You can contact Blair Farmer. He is here in the Clearwater area. It's uh, simple to email him. It's lincolnman57 
lincolnman57.bf at gmail.com. So lincolnman57.bf, which stands for Blair Farmer, at gmail.com. You have to uh, be kind of descriptive on what you need. Leave a phone number, and uh, he will get back to you. But again, like I always say in my videos, um, you know, don't want to waste your time or waste Blair's time. If you're serious about getting something done, you know, hit him up. He rebuilt all of the window switches in my 64 Lincoln Continental. That includes on the driver's side and then the two on the passenger, on the front, and then both in the back. So the guy knows his stuff. When I say he's the definition of an old-school mechanic, he's a guy that can take those relays apart and rebuild them. If it's economical, sometimes you just replace them. But he can also explain the stuff to you, and that's what I love because I'm a type of guy that I don't like just for something to work. I kind of want to know how it works. And Blair's that guy. I'm glad that I became friends with him. But the services that he offers is more than fair on the prices. Maybe some of the lower prices that you even see from a Lincoln community standpoint. So big ups to Blair Farmer. He's here in Clearwater. And I gave out his email address so you can contact him. So with that being said, we're going to uh, pipe in the audio from John Brewer. And then if there's any last additional updates based upon the conversation that I have with him, I'll add those at the end. If not... Uh, hopefully, you guys have enjoyed this content. Again, it's free. I'd highly suggest that um, you know if you have suggestions or whatnot, you can email me. I know other people have said, hey, can you include other year Lincolns? Would kind of love to, uh, just trying to kind of get through the list of things that we want to cover here. Uh, but uh, we, of course, love all Lincolns, especially the 60s era Lincoln. So with that being said, everyone have a great week. And thanks for subscribing to the Lincoln Attic Podcast. To everyone out there, peace. Hey, hey, so as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we've got John Brewer on. And uh, John, just wanted to welcome you, and thanks for your time. Hey, Jason. How are you doing? Hey, everything is good. Uh, how's everything on your uh, neck of the woods, I should say? Well, it's it's it looks like it's getting to springtime, so it's nice to have better weather. Yeah, perfect tie-in, because we were kind of going to title this one Spring Cleaning 2020 uh, for Lincoln's. We, we know there, there's plenty of uh, stuff to do, but... Um, I wanted to maybe just give you the opportunity to maybe say a little bit about yourself because not everyone may know your name, uh, John Brewer. Well, um, uh, I, I am Brewer Classic Lincoln, and I've been in the business since about 2007 or so. And um, and I actually grew up with one of these cars. My dad bought one in 1970, 1967 Lincoln Convertible. And um, I think my love for these cars came out of that. I really enjoyed helping him, you know, keep the car going and resolving little issues uh, that came up from time to time. And, you know, when I was a kid and, and as, as I grew up and, um, and uh, the funny thing about that car is that when he first went out looking for one of these things, he brought home two cars to show to the family. We're going to make a decision between the two. The first car he brought home was a 1968 Shelby convertible. Mm -hmm. uh, I had about 2,500 miles on it, and it was uh, blue with white stripes. Um, and uh, we liked that, but it was a little too small. Then he brought home the the Lincoln, and everybody liked that as a you know family car. You could throw everybody in the car and all that. So, so instead of getting the Shelby, we got the Lincoln. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know out of that, that's where uh, later on in my life I decided to get involved in um, in Lincoln parts and. And manufacturing parts that for these cars that haven't been made before, and uh, so I have a yard where I keep parts cars, and I have several uh, CNC uh, machine shops that work to make uh, various parts. Uh, for example, I manufacture the um, 
parts that go into the upper back panel limit switches on 64 through 67 Lincolns and 64 through 67 T-Birds. Um, and I also uh, rebuild all the Lincoln window switches uh, uh, through probably about 75, uh, all the convertible top switches, and I do consulting on the phone for people to uh, help them uh, get their tops going. Awesome. Yeah, and you've done a, a really good job helping a lot of people. Now, uh, what car, what model did your um, dad come home with? That was a convertible or that was a sedan? I mean, he had that. a 67 convertible. It was uh, it was originally an A-code black car, but it was uh, painted, uh, it, they ended up painting it beige. Really? Even um, back then? It, yeah, just, uh, you know, back then people didn't really love the black. It was just a little too uh, formal. I mean, they're formal enough cars without adding that to it, especially back in the day where a lot of people had memories of Ford's original concept of you can get any color as long as it's black. <laughs> so I think people were done with black cars in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Ah, interesting. And as you mentioned with your business, uh, the listeners can go to BrewerClassicLincoln.com uh, for more information. You'll see there, there's a, a bunch of information there, including the product services, uh, cars for sale, and so on and so forth. But Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I appreciate your time. And one of the things I've been wanting to do an episode where we talk about windows in general for these cars, it's it's kind of funny if you buy, as you know, if you buy a convertible, usually the first question is, well, does the top work? And then oftentimes the second question, whether it's a sedan or convertible, it's like, hey, do the windows work? And I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of find, you know, maybe get your uh, perspective on windows on these and maybe give the listeners a little bit of your knowledge. But when you think about 61 through 69, um, do you, at least in your mind, in my mind, I kind of break down by years. Like I kind of go, well, I know these years are this and these years are this, but what's the breakdown in your mind if someone were to ask you like 61 through three and then so on and so forth in terms of just overall uh, differences, anything you wanted to share? Well, uh, let's see. So all, all these cars, you know, have um, problems with the window switches and I don't think it's unique to the Lincolns. I think that that window switches are just classically uh, glitchy the longer they've been out there. The contacts get burned. Uh, you get water in the windows that sits down inside the, the, the little cups that have the uh, switch, you know, switching equipment. And, um, and so you can get rust and all that kind of stuff. So the way I look at it, first of all, and generally, is that um, – all these cars, um, you, you know, if you get a car and it hasn't really been maintained for a while, it's been sitting in a garage and the windows are glitchy and that kind of thing, then the first thing we want to do is we want to check the relays. In the convertibles, we've got a bank of eight relays behind the back seat um, and, uh, and making sure that those up-down window relays, latch relays, current limiter relays are all functioning is critical first off. And it's a pretty easy check to do. And one of the things I encourage my clients is, is if they don't really know how to check the relays, they can always send them to me. I don't charge anything to check out the relays, but if there's something that needs to be done or replaced, then we go ahead and charge for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the window switches pretty much categorically should be rebuilt. Um, uh, you know, over time, People have replaced one switch at a time, so they're all of different ages and different conditions. But if you want everything to start working robustly moving forward into your ownership of the car, you just you know pull all the window switches and have them rebuilt, um, and that will usually clear up 
a bunch of problems of intermittency and some kind of glitchiness that will then clear the way to understand other underlying problems like problems with your auto drop in the convertibles 61 through 67 um, or uh, possibly failing window motors, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, Understood. And, and then the other thing I guess is that, that, you know, these cars are now 50 plus or minus years old. So the, the, all of the grease that was installed at the factory in the regulator assemblies and the tracks that, that run the windows up and down, that stuff has all turned to peanut butter by now. And, and it's a, it really provides a significant amount of resistance to move those regulators. And so very commonly, uh, slow window problems or even non-operation can be resolved by properly greasing the window tracks. Um, and so that's one of the other things I, re- I recommend that people do is pull off your door panels, get in there one window at a time and lay in. Uh, grease into the tracks that the rollers go up and down and uh, hit the uh, the X on the regulator. You know, any place with that pivots or rotates, you want to get that grease in there. And you'd be surprised how quickly these windows will go up and down once you grease everything. And once you've done that also, it'll, it'll uh, highlight those windows that really do maybe have a problem with the motor. Because at that point, once you've greased everything, your window switches work your relays work, and if you're still having a problem, then probably you have some issue with uh, a window motor or regulator or something like that. Yeah, and that's what I had kind of hinted before in the past on my 64 Lincoln when we got it home. A lot of it was using brake clean and doing things like that to get the tracks cleaned up and just other kind of cleaners that you might use. And then, of course, it was the the greasing of things because, to your point, I've heard that term before. Stuff does turn to peanut butter, and uh, it gets pretty nasty. Now, I wanted to to ask you um, on my car, and what I've seen also in the LincolnForum.net is you have a window safety relay, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that relay, as far as your knowledge, I know in my year, the '64, it's it's up in the driver or the passenger's front wheel well. So you got to underneath yes. the car, you take the wheel well out, mm-hmm. and it's right in there. That seemed to be the first thing that I ran into a challenge with. How often are you seeing that that's bad? Um, in the earlier cars, and again, uh, for, for me, I see a lot of this problem in 66 through 69. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm sure that the earlier relays do fail. Um, I mean, I certainly sell them. Uh, I, I don't see that problem as much, but the reality is that you know all these electrical devices like the relays, they're only going to last so long. And gosh, the cars are 50 years old. So what are you expecting out of this yes, thing? Correct. So to, in fact, and, and so people understand the safety relay is basically when the car is off, the windows aren't powered. And when you click the car to pre-start or accessory or on, it, it, it turns on that relay, which then is passing window uh, power to the window switches. Um, and if that fails, then you will get no action on the windows unless you use your bypass switch, which most people don't really understand that well anyway. But so what we try to do is, is you know, get a fresh relay in to uh, the window safety relay so that you know that you're not going to have a problem providing power to your windows. And that's kind of where it all starts is supplying that power. Yeah, understood. And I've even told folks, like in my case, like I wasn't aware of that when I first got my car. We did some troubleshooting, searching the LincolnForum.net, and then boom, found out about that. But 
you can also, you know, to your point earlier, when you start investigating things, I, I recommend a tool that I use, the Power Probe. Uh, folks can mm-hmm. buy those like on Amazon and places like that. But one thing that I was able to do early on is when you take off the door panels, I was able to kind of get in there with the power probe and give direct power to, say, the window mm-hmm. motor. And then you're able to see like, oh, wow, okay, if that's working, that might give an indication that yeah, it could be a does switch. It actually go, yeah, does it go up and down properly from the plug at the, at the device itself, at the motor? Because if you can make the window go up and down from there, then your problem is going to be someplace else in the system, a switch, a relay, or something. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I remember uh, a comment that you had made in the LincolnForum.net where you talked about um, someone had posted, and I think they were talking about a later year car or something, but you had mentioned there are no rear window relays for sedans 65 and earlier. Is that yes. So is, I think that's a misconception that people sometimes have, that, that, that there are. Yeah, it's, you know, because these relays, for the most part, are hidden. Um, and, you know, like in the 66 through 69, in the sedans and the coupes, they're, they're in the trunk behind the rear seat. So you, if you open your trunk, you can see them. There's four of them sitting up there on the pa- on the tray or below the package uh, like tray. Like where the, the pump car. is at for the top. Well, excuse me. Okay, you're yeah, talking about the coupes. Well, yeah, we're yeah. talking about sedans and coupes. But, um, yeah, in the same position as the – yeah. And um, uh, But uh, those relays, you know, they're all the same relay in 66 to 69, and they're just up-down relays. Um, and if one, one of those fails, then you're going to get a non-function in one direction or another from either the left side or the right side. I've seen cars where all these relays are shot, uh, cars that have been left outside, uh, very, fairly commonly, uh, these, the, the relays will get water in them that somehow leaks in through the back seat in the non-convertibles. Um, and, uh, and then they get rusty on the inside and that kills them. So, um, checking these relays out is really critical. Of course, in the convertibles, for 61 through 67, you have the relays in a pan- panel that's about 30 inches long behind the, the rear seat. And you just pull the seat out, and you'll see that. That is body-grounded. So uh, if you're testing it and you've flipped the relays over and unbolted that panel from the back seat, you're not grounded to your uh current limiter relays, which means you're going to have problem running those windows. So always remember that that's, that setup back there, the current limiter relays, are body grounded, and you have to plug it back in or ground it. And then, of course, we were talking about the uh, the uh, window safety relays, which in 66 to 69 are underneath the front hood. Um, I, you know, I carry those new and rebuilt, um, and as well as the earliers, uh, which are pretty much all the same, um, 61 to 65. And... Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, these, these relays are critical and we can never, we have to keep them in mind. Don't ever ignore them because just looking at them, if they look like they're good, doesn't mean anything. They both have to click and they have to pass current. If they click, that doesn't necessarily mean they're functional. Yeah. And I've seen you comment that in the Lincoln forum where you talked about, and I've seen that as well, like where our local Lincoln mechanic, he's been working on these cars about 40 years Blair, like where he'll open one up and he's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, look at that. And you see and you go, okay, well, yeah, if I would have saw that, yeah. yeah, you know, okay, boom, it's out. But there's kind of a misconception too that, okay, so you talked about the bank of relays behind the seat, right, in the earlier mm-hmm. years. or But keep me honest here, there's no front relays for the front windows and vent windows, right? No. Yeah, they're just, so generally your your window switches in the master assembly and the and the switch on the on the passenger front window 
they are passing higher amperage uh, than the rest of these switches. And so they tend to get burned out quicker, which is why we generally have more problems specifically with the uh, right and left front windows because they're, they're passing a lot of power. We develop a lot of heat. And so those can tend to bur- burn the contacts sooner than you would on uh, the, the vent windows or the rear windows. Got it. So I think that's key because I think in the beginning with me, I was like, wait, where are these other relays? And I started learning more and doing more research. And I was like, okay, you know, totally got it. Now, when if we talk a little bit about the differences in the window regulators themselves, I know one thing that I've that's been pointed out, I think Cashman in the past has mentioned to me, like in 65, they had some kind of you know, wonky things and things like that where maybe they have their own issues. But in general, from 61 to 69, are the window regulators, in your opinion, are they pretty reliable when they're rebuilt? Uh, Well, okay, so 66 to 69, the whole setup is pretty bulletproof. Now, that's not to say that things can't break um, or have problems, but the motors are good uh, generally, and the regulators are well built. It's a really nice assembly. Uh, In the earlier cars... I think the same is true 61 to 64. Um, uh, you know, there you have some slightly different setups and how the wiring works and all that, but it's pretty robust. Um, and it's in 65 that, as much as I understand it, uh, we get this problem where the where the window motor itself will jam as you are, you know, trying to raise or lower it, and um, and it's that jamming that causes the non-function. Uh, you can sometimes adjust. There is a adjustment. Mm, see, I don't do this specific work right, on right. the cars that much, but there is an adjustment you can make on the 65 motors to, I think, tighten up the gear assembly. But invariably, you get back to the same issue. That's why Cashman generally recommends, um, if you're having trouble with the 65 uh, motors, is to um, uh, swap them out for the 64 um, and, uh, and, and as part of that, you have to replace the regulator. Yeah. And those regulators, I know they're getting kind of harder to get. I know John gets them when he can, and then, you know, obviously refurbish as he need, needs and, you know, there's a cost to that and whatnot. But, um, my buddy, Tony, he loves 65 Lincolns and he's got a couple of them. And on his convertible, he's recently ran into that challenge where the window was all the way up. And I mean, we had to mess with that thing for a while to even get it to budge mm-hmm. and go down. It was like it was like, almost like it was stuck up, and uh, yes. it's it kind of frustrating. But yeah, and in fact, w- what you'll encounter is that when you activate the switch and you get your ear up to the door, you'll actually hear or feel the motor trying to turn. There'll be a little little movement or a little uh, you know, to the motor, but it won't do anything, and that that's the sign that those gears that gears jammed. Yep, understood. So I think like the key is like you got the window safety relay, and we talked about up until sixty. Keep me honest, John. Sixty five. It's in the passenger well, wheel well. Y- yes, that's correct. And then sixty six and sixty seven. It's on the apron up on the driver's side. And well, sixty six to sixty nine. It's oh, on 65. the driver's side down below the master cylinder where there's a bank of relays. Yes. Okay. Um, and then the window safety relay has a red plug. Um, and is body grounded. You'll see a ground strap on it, um, and that's how you identify that particular one. Got it. So, like, that has to function for the most part. Um, that could cause some hiccups for people. And then, of course, you know, if if they take off the door panel and they start looking at the window tracks, I mean, if those are nasty, that's going to prohibit it. 
uh, from going up or down. And then uh, we also talked a little bit about the switches. Now, uh, the switches, can you give us a roundabout cost? Like, you know, is someone looking at maybe 40 50 bucks a switch if they can be rebuilt? Um, what's a ballpark estimate? Yeah, um, the the earlier switches 61 to 65 i mean this so you've got um i think it's 61 yeah 61 and 2 is a large bodied switch um they're relatively easy to rebuild and the toggles are pretty robust they don't tend to snap off 61 to 62 so after that 63 4 and 5 that's the smaller bodied switch and the fault on those is that the toggles um were held in place uh, with uh, the, there's a plastic base underneath the toggle and it literally dissolves over time and then the switch toggle will go wobbly or snap off and that's that's you know one problem and then the other problem which is for all the switches is the issue that over time you get uh, burning and crud down in the switch itself and you have to open the thing up and clean it all um, 61 through 5 are somewhat easier to work on Mm -hmm. uh but they they involve uh there's a bus bar setup on the switches especially the master assembly that you have to be careful not to forget how those little bus bars on the underside of the switches are all connected otherwise you won't get your stuff to work um in 66 uh 7 you have um, a wire harness with a plug, which is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, and But those are tougher to rebuild because it's difficult to get to the contact surfaces. Yeah, and, um, and then... And then 68 and 69. Yeah, and there are some variations in 68 and 69. Um, you know, the difference between the Mark III and the Continental uh, four and two doors. And then there there are a couple of variations that Ford you know, kind of mid-year changes. So there's some switches that have pins. There's some switches that have plugs, um, that kind of thing. So it's, it gets a little goofier there to find just the right, uh, you know, replacement if you need it. As a general rule, uh, the the pricing is between 40 and $50 a switch to rebuild, and that brings it back to crisp original um, function and uh, it concludes a rubber boot and properly reinstalled in the uh, switch mounting bezel, which is critical because you don't want to mount everything back in the car and then find out you put them in, uh, you know, backwards and the switch goes down instead of up, that kind of thing. Yeah, got it. And and I think like overall, like as much as sometimes people go, oh, you know, 40, 50 bucks a piece. If you're talking about doing, if they have the the vent windows, electric vent windows, and you have the driver's mm-hmm. door and then the passenger, and then you got the two rears, I mean, you're only talking sometimes five, you know, five six hundred bucks. I know it's a chunk, but it's a big pivotal piece on the car, and I think like to to rebuild them is key, you know, to to get. Or yeah, it's a new. it's a huge piece on a car because if the windows don't work, then you know most of the time we're trying to drive these cars around with the windows up and then it gets super hot. It's just, it's just goofy. And, and having functional windows is really part of, of what, what you want in, in these cars. Uh, so yeah, it's expensive, but there is real labor involved and, and expertise. The people who do this work, I do it. There are a couple other people who do it well. And, and you, you have to uh, know what it is that can go wrong with the switches in order to fix them properly. I've seen all sorts of, uh, cobbled up stuff that comes through from time to time 
where somebody, you know, they tried hard, but the net result was it was a waste of time and, and money if they spent money on it. Yeah, when, when I first got my 67 sedan, it, it was a really nice car, but it had some, some areas where, like the window switches, I mean, it must have just like, they got a lot of water over those, you know, almost 50 years in there. And those things, yeah. I had followed some instructions. I was like, oh, I'm going to rebuild these. And I got these things apart. Mm-hmm. And, man, they were like the nastiest things you've ever seen. And I realized, right. like, at the end, I still tried, and they still didn't work. And I was like, well, then I found out, and keep me honest here, if, let's say, they have a 6667, and they, maybe the switches are just roached out, and they're nasty, mm-hmm. you can sell them a replacement, correct, that's a new style um or is that something that you also sell well i don't i don't actually sell the new switch um and that's commonly done and that's that's fine but the the issue is that there's only one switch manufactured effectively which is the red plug switch which is the, the driver's master window switch and then what you have to do with that red plug switch which which is purchased from a manufacturer you have to cut the wiring harness and then you have to switch by switch and wire by wire reconnect every wire so that it's properly done. And um, that actually takes real time. So the it switches does, yep. themselves um, might be 60 or 70 bucks a piece. And then you might, you know, somebody who hasn't done soldering or this kind of work before may futz around with, with it for an hour or more on a switch before they get it right. Um, you know, it helps to know the differences between the switches and where the problems are. Um, so as a general rule, I figure that it's, it's about as much labor to, it's probably for me, it's more labor to take one of those new switches and there are some problems with them. They, uh, they can tend to fail early in various situations. And so what I like to do is I rebuild original switches and, um, but I have special methods of getting everything properly clean and I vet out every contact surface and and all the wires and and rivets and all that kind of stuff. Got it. And the net result of that is a nice robust build that should work for years. Um, I see plenty of the new red plug switches come back for rebuild. Um, you know, and they might have been out for five years or ten years. So they they certainly aren't as good as the original switches. That's for sure. Well, that's good to know, and I've helped my buddy. We we put some of the newer ones in the other, you know, in a gentleman's car, and uh, yeah, we ran into a lot of those challenges because you you basically, if you do it every day, you probably know it off the top of your head. But for us, it was like, okay, wait, you got to yes. figure out which wires, and then you got to solder, and it does take a lot of time. Right, and I do, and I, I do want to be clear that those switches set up properly by somebody who knows what they're doing are 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 very good generally, and yes, so I don't yeah. really have a problem with them. The issue is simply that it's a lot of work to do the changeover, and 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 I and I like to just use the original equipment and make if that you can, properly exactly. If you yep. if you can, and yeah, so. yeah, that makes sense. Okay, great. Well, I was trying to think here. I'm looking through my notes to see what else uh, maybe we could hit upon. Um, I almost wanted to do a, a whole separate episode at some point, but I think maybe we could just tie in a couple quick questions. So obviously from 61 through 67, you have the convertible option, right? And we know uh, full well and the convertible owners out there know that the auto drops in the back, um, kind of that's like a whole other subject. But I did notice, and I figured I'd ask you, John, on your eBay store, keep me honest here, you have a replacement that could 
maybe you know a guy that might be um, you know willing to get his hands dirty. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the setup that I've seen on your eBay store where you can bolt this in, and does that replace the knife switches in the in the convertibles for the rear auto drops? Well, well, okay. So what you're referring to on my site is I have several switches that I've basically remanufactured. I've got one switch, and I've got um, a re- the a B pillar relay uh, that relates to the ret- it's the retract relay. Um, and those can be used to replace the original, the relay and the B pillar, um, uh, 60, 66 and 67 can be a problem. If that doesn't work, then you can get non-function. It's as Cashman has said in the past, it's an extremely complex system. Yes. You know, you've got eight, you know, let's just pick one side of the car. You behind the back seat for the right side, for example, you've got four relays inside the door. You've got a knife switch. Uh, you've got a bypass switch. You've got a um, you've got the uh, door open warning switch, which is um, actually a grounding switch for the auto drop. And so when you open the door, that door open warning switch has to ground in order for the window to go down. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, then you've got the B pillar relay, um, and then in the and the 61 through 65, you've got a B pillar switch, which which uh, replaces uh, the some of the componentry in the uh, inside the door. But as a general rule, um, you know, for my clients, what we do is we figure out what are the symptoms. We work first to make sure vet out all the relays or all the relays functional. And once we know that that's true, and we've got good relays in there. Then we start taking a look at the individual components. You know, for example, in the early car cars, the 1961 through three, the knife switch assembly is a much more robust um, a, a pair of switches that are installed on the uh, on the knife switch assembly. In the in the later cars, that knife switch becomes this kind of black plastic block switch that the knife passes through it's more it's more sophisticated but it also tends to fail um and Got so it. we we generally can replace those with a new rebuild the rebuild on those is not straightforward um there's a diode involved it has to be replaced and so uh we generally leave it to the people who can do that um but as a general rule, that if if we can go through the symptoms and we can vet out each of your switches and you know in the system one at a time, then we can usually get to where the problem is. Um, in the early cars, 61 to, uh, to five, that have the um, uh, the switch in the B pillar that actually sticks out and the latch hits it when the door closes, that can be a problem because it'll get a little loose and it'll back off. The screws will back off. I'm sorry. The threading will back off a little bit and the switch will go out of adjustment and uh, you won't get the window to go back up. So if you're having the problem where the window is not going back up on 61 to five, what you can do is just, you know, make sure the window is up in the first place, open the door, it'll auto drop. And then you press that button on the B pillar in and out. See if the, if you press it all the way in, if the window will go all the way up, but then if you close the door, it won't. It's an adjustment issue on that switch. Got it. Okay. And on your store, like where I see 64, 65 Lincoln convertible rear window auto drop actuator striker switch, that's yes. like one component of the system. 
That's one component of the system that is located on the latch assembly on the inside of the door. And it is similar to the one that's 60 in 61 through three on the, um, on the B pillar. And basically it is a switch that can't be rebuilt. The original ones cannot be rebuilt. There is no way. Mm-hmm. And what we do is that there have been some manufactured, both for the early cars and the 64, 65. So 61 through three has one style and 64, five has another. And these can be purchased. But um, uh, the one that I'm making is much less expensive than the other alternative on the market. Uh, I'm using a system that w- was uh, created maybe 30 years ago and people stopped using it because somebody else reproduced the, that switch in its original form. But the one that I'm making is significantly less expensive and is an extremely robust switch. It's more robust than the original. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's an aerospace switch and, and is rated for hundreds of thousands of cycles. So, um, so that's a, a great solution for 64, 65 that I have. I have not yet figured out how to remanufacture the one for uh, 61 through three. Got it. But maybe one of these days. Right. I know. Well, I appreciate your honesty there. And, and I think like what the listeners have kind of come to realize is that when you're looking to buy one of these cars, you know, if I tell people all the time, you're going to see, and you've seen this, I'm sure John, many times, uh, even more than I have, you know, you start to get into like a 30, $40,000 price range car and you start to find out that everything works on it you start to realize like wow it's a you know it's it's a costly investment but and i've been there before you buy a 10 12 15 20,000 car there's a lot of them out there that are nice but when you start getting into well the windows don't work and the vent windows don't work and this and that maybe the top doesn't work uh, it gets very costly but it can be done right you've got the parts we've got different vendors but it does get costly and i tell people they have to they have to balance that do you want to buy a 40,000 yeah. car where everything works well, and, and I have to say, though, that just because a car is $40,000 does not mean that they've actually done the work. Very yes, commonly, some of these cars that are sold out there, they've got pretty paint jobs and people have done uh, some work to make them look good aesthetically. But, you know, because there's a limited amount of good help available to work on the tops and the windows, um, it's very common that that those cars that are $40,000, like at auction, auto drop may not work. The top may may have uh, intermittency or may not function. Uh, and you'll only figure out after you've bought it. So what I would recommend to uh, people who are looking at these cars, especially the more expensive ones, is make sure, be diligent in your inspection of the car. Sit down in the driver's seat and activate the window switches on the master control, looking for consistency of operation uh, and smoothness, and then also utilize each other door switch to make sure that those are functioning properly. And then also be very careful to watch the entire cycle on the convertible top, watch it go up and down, and be very aware of anything that the selling owner does to assist the system to complete its functioning, like assisting the flipper panel to rise or um, or other things, you you should be able to use the top control switch only to make the entire system function properly with no glitchiness. If 
it fails uh, when you use the top switch at any point in the system, then the top is non-functional because you can't get it to complete its function. Yeah, so, the average guy, I think, out there that's going to go on a parade or take his family out for ice cream and things like right. that. There's a lot of guys out there that, you know, they when they hit the switch, if it you know, when it stops working, they're like, Oh my god, what am I gonna do? They're not they may not feel comfortable to start messing with relays and unplugging things and things like that. So I try to tell people if you're new to this Lincoln world of sixties era Lincolns, uh, it's it's a little bit different than other uh, classic cars and you just gotta kinda do your due diligence to your point, kinda do your homework and make sure that you're getting mm-hmm. something that uh you know, to your point, yeah. I mean, my, my thing is you might get a car and you might have to end up putting a lot more money in it that you're not anticipating. So I think that's what people need to know as well. Yeah, and, and I and I encourage my clients, you know, if, if, if you're looking for a car and you have questions about it, feel free to give me a call. I never mind looking at photos that are sent to me to help people understand uh, how original a car is, to help them is, uh, decode the data plates, to look at the engine compartments, to look at to look for signs that a car isn't really quite as good as they may the, the owner may think it is and keep in mind that the owners of these cars they've usually had these cars for a long time and they love them to pieces and they don't really see the flaws anymore and so sometimes it takes a third party to trained look eye. honestly at a car mm-hmm. trained eye to look at the function of these things and to say no that's really not working properly um or there are signs that a car is not in as good a condition as it's being represented to be. Yep. Good points. Yeah. Very valid there. But I think like we've given the the listeners, um, you know, s- enough information to be dangerous. Right. And what I think people need to yes. know is there are, there are vendors out there like John Brewer where you can go and you can get stuff redone, rebuilt. And that's key because sometimes, you know, this stuff's going to break, you know, 50 plus years, if you will. But, um, if there was anything else that you wanted to share from a window standpoint in these cars, anything else that we may have missed, John? Well, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's a very complex system, and and um, as you can probably get a sense, I can talk about this stuff all day long, <laughs> and I here. commonly do. <laughs> right. So, you know, so what I what I really tell people is is um, don't get discouraged. Uh, give me a call. We can go over the symptoms on the phone. And if you're willing to to listen to my questions and to work through it on the phone with me, we can usually figure out where the problems are coming from and, and very frequently get everything uh, back operating. It may take a little bit of, uh, you know, sending some parts back and forth or that type of thing, but um, I'm happy to help. And, uh, and uh, again, you know, I'm John Brewer, Brewer Classic Lincoln. And, um, you can see my website, uh, BrewerClassicLincoln.com, and I'm always happy to talk. Yeah, excellent, and I see uh, your phone number's out here. Um, any other, if, if they want to send you an email, I know they can do it off the site, but uh, do you want to plug your email address or a phone number? Sure, it's uh, my email address is John A. Brewer, and that's B-R-E-W-E-R, at MSN.com. Got it. And, uh, and I talk to people every day and assist people. Uh, in fixing their convertible tops. I'm a con- convertible top technician. I rebuild all the components for the convert- convertible top um, and the switches, relays, upper back panel limit switches. Um, and uh, I, I'm not John Cashman, but uh, but uh, I have fun trying to be. Yeah, well, you're a key component in this kind of Lincoln community that we call it. And, uh, you know, some know the behind-the-scenes stuff that you do and some of the work that uh, that you're doing with the upper back panel switches and all of that stuff. But if it weren't for guys like you, 
Uh, John, I'm sure you've heard this before. I don't think that we would be where we are with these cars, especially Cashman as well. He's a key player, but you know we certainly mm-hmm. appreciate what you do for the Lincoln community. The um, new old stock engine mounts that I got for my 64 from you uh, were flawless, and uh, certainly appreciate uh, you know me giving you the call that day to make that purchase. But uh, yeah, man, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Nice talking to you too, Jason. All right, John. Look forward um, to hearing hearing the podcast. For sure. And for everyone, go out there, give him a follow, at least on his website, save it as a favorite. And uh, that's it for this interview. Take care, man. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hey, hey. So it's a wrap. Again, thanks to John Brewer. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, lending us some of your time. If you visit his website, you're going to see he has all kinds of information out there about some of the services he offers. And I think it's important to know that he kind of mentioned too, there are a few different guys out there that um, that do this type of work. And uh, John is one of those reputable names. And, um, you know, it's great to know that he's kind of committed as much time as he has to trying to help people. Uh, he also offers, I know, some consulting services and things like that, as he mentioned. And uh, just in general, I know the the forums maybe aren't as, as popular as they were, you know, 10 or 15 years ago because of social media. But if you go on the lincolnforum.net, you'll see often if you're looking for you know a window issue you're having or maybe your top's not functioning, you're going to either see John that's chimed in or you'll see someone say, hey, call John Brewer, call John Cashman and things like that. And I think uh, you know these two guys together, uh, Mr. Cashman, John Cashman, and then John Brewer, they both offer you know a lot to the community because of John Cashman being kind of that the the drive to you and work on your car type uh, you know occupation right and then you have John Brewer who behind the scenes is kind of working and doing a lot of stuff and providing parts and things like that so again whoever you end up choosing uh, you know whether you go with someone like John Brewer or some of the other folks that we've kind of mentioned in the past. You know, there's plenty of, of guys out there. There's enough work to go around, and uh, you know, I always tell people do your research and go with who you feel is uh, most experienced, someone that's going to take care of your needs in the timeline that you need. Because as I mentioned earlier, with my project Smugglers Blues, and and just dealing with Lincoln's now for the you know little. A little over t- uh, ten years, I've really been researching and things like that. It, it's this stuff just doesn't go quick. It, it doesn't seem to. So if you can find a vendor like uh, John Brewer that can knock something out for you in your timeline, boom. You know, again, give him a call. Uh, we actually, he and I have chatted a couple times on the phone, and uh, we spent some time. And he's going to, you know, help me with a couple things that I need uh, outside of parts standpoint, but uh, just overall a good guy. I think you guys heard that uh, through his messaging, and uh, so it, it was a pleasure really to sit down with him and kind of to chat about Lincolns, which I could really do all day. Now, I also wanted to give a quick update, so I've been kind of piecing and puzzling and plastering this episode together, but Project Smugglers Blues is now home. I got a chance to, I, I did get the call, as I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, I did get the call from the transmission shop, and they uh, they said, hey, you're ready to go. And I was kind of speechless because I'm like, wow, you know, I've got this rebuilt motor that I've got not a lot of miles on yet, still kind of uh, breaking it in. You know, obviously I had driven in a car a couple times before I had that, I don't want to say ca- catastrophe, but, you know, kind of in my mind, you know, I had this big, uh, you know, hiccup that I had to get over with the trans. 
And uh, it's been a couple months since I got a chance to drive the car. And uh, sure enough, I went down there, uh, went ahead and squared up with what I had to there. Got um, Now, I forgot to get the old pump. I wanted to show you guys um, kind of what I did, but I, I think I can get maybe another one for some uh, purposes of photos. But I did get the old torque converter. And uh, I'll, I'll show you guys maybe a visual in the LincolnForum.net as well as just on social media the screw-up that I did that caused the, the issue. But, again, I uh, did get the call. I uh, got a lift down there about 25, 30 miles from my house. I had to go to that trans shop and uh, car fired right up. And uh, it was just a good feeling. You know, of course, the top isn't fully functioning right now. That's one thing I talked to Brewer about. And uh, I'll plan to kind of get that ironed out probably in the next couple of weeks. But uh, to be able to roll down the four windows, open the two vent windows, and then to unzip the back window, yes. Uh, mine's got the the zip. I think most of them do and uh, have to unzip that because that back window is just really nasty. So that's another thing I'm going to tackle here sometime this year. Uh, obviously, I'll get the top functioning where I can put it down and cruise around a little bit and enjoy it. But basically, my car really needs a new top. It's got the blue top that I love. I'm going to go back with the same color. But when I do that, of course, we'll do some you know tech videos and then we'll do also some podcasting around, you know, maybe just, you know, for convertibles, the, the material itself, the process that you have to go through or to have uh, a place that's qualified to install the top. And then, oh, by the way, you know, you have the wiring that goes through the top. So that is, you know, $175, $200 replacement that you got to do. You can't do the material without doing the the wiring. Um, so, you know, because that, that's also a trouble, sh- uh, tr- uh, you know, a trouble area, especially on my car. I'm 99% sure that the wiring was never changed. I think at one point they put another canvas on it, but it, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, if you're talking to John Brewer on the phone and he's troubleshooting, you know, that's it. You know, you could come down to an issue where the wiring inside the top is bad and it's causing, uh, you know, some weird shorts and, and just, you know, challenges and overall. But, you know, again, uh, the good news is now that I got my car back, it's running on its own power, it starts right up. That'll give me the opportunity now to kind of move it around my place here, uh, back it out of the shop when I need to, start working on other stuff, you know, get the steel rubber installed over a course of time here. Uh, Got to finish getting the dash back together because it's still a part to change out the bulbs to the LEDs. Just all those little things. And I'm kind of like a checklist person. And I want to make sure that before I start putting stuff back together, I don't want to get it back together and go, oh, that's right, I forgot this bulb or man, I should have fixed this little thing with the air condition that broke. Oh, I should have did this. So really, I can't reinforce enough. You know, make checklists, use a spreadsheet, however you kind of do your thing. Uh, some people, it's just in their mind. I used to try that, but uh, then I start to forget things. But, you know, write it down, make a list, uh, and just do your best to make a plan. Because once you got a plan, there's no stopping you. So, uh, again, uh, thanks to uh, John for coming on. I think we touched on the most part for the window stuff that I wanted to hit. You know, you pretty much have the switch itself, which they will go bad over time. You have the relays, which we hit on a little bit. Um, you know, the fronts don't necessarily have the relays for the windows. Uh, you have the the nasty grease, aka peanut butter, that forms over the course of time that can prohibit the window from going up or down. And then, of course, you have the regulator which John reinforced 
if there's grease in there that's hardened over the course of time, just in general, it might have to be blown apart, rebuilt, things like that. So, uh, you know, some of you guys might feel that uh, you can do those kind of things. Others, you may say, hey, I don't want to mess with it at all. So you've got people that you could take the car to, like a Blair Farmer or John Cashman can come to you if you're in his line of sight. Uh, you can look up convertiblelincolns.com. And um, John, uh, that's John's website. And he'll make sure that, uh, you know, he takes your call. That's convertiblelincolns with an S.com. He'll make sure he takes your call and he'll answer your questions the best he can. And um, it, Blair Farmer, you guys have his email address if you want to try to sync up with him. And then if you want to get your hands dirty, you can do that. Again, love the Power Probe. I bought mine through uh, Amazon years ago. There's different makes and models of them. So, or not makes, but there's different models of them. Mine's more of, I think, like the Power Probe 2 or the Power Probe 3. But those type of things will allow you to quickly get uh, some power to a, a regulator to see, hey, is it working? And then if it is, you kind of start to narrow down, like, hey, it could be the window switch. It could be a relay and things like that. And as John Brewer mentioned, you could send your relays to him. He'll test them for free. And then, of course, if you need them, then he'll sell you uh, whichever ones that you need. But... um I think that's it. Working on the next episode already, so fear not. We're going to get that one going here. And hope you guys have a great weekend, a great rest of the week. I'll be in Orange Beach, Alabama, so if anybody's up there, uh, you know, come by, check it out. We're at the Wharf. That's where the big car show is going down at. Uh, it's called Orange Beach Invasion. And then if there's any Lincolns there, there was one there two years ago. I took some really good photos of it. I'll be posting those, and I'll be doing videos from the show, so much more to come and uh, stay posted to Lincoln Addict Instagram and Facebook for more information. You guys stay on the rise. Peace.